with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in. It is another edition. It is the final edition of the Idaho 8-Man Prep Cast for the 2022 season. My name is Brandon Bainey. We are joined, as always, by Will Henneke. Will, what's going on? It's been a couple weeks. How you doing? Yeah, I thought you forgot about me. I thought you just didn't want to hang out with me anymore, but uh, it's, it's good to be back. Yeah, so I know our eight-man diehards are like, where the heck have you two been these last two weeks? How are we going to know what to look for in these semifinal and championship games? So here's the story. Two weeks ago, I was busy. I had personal stuff going on. Long story short, very soon, my wife and I are going to be moving uh, from – Pocatello. So I live in Pocatello currently. I think most people knew that, but uh, we're going to be moving to Coeur d'Alene. She got a transfer with her job. And so we were kind of trying to take care of some of that stuff. And I just didn't have time to do the prep cast two weeks ago. And then last week, Wallace, Mullen, those Lakeside, those D1 (laughs) schools should be loving you right now. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I really hope we can go do some stuff at Lakeside, especially because they got that brand new turf field put in this year. Did you see that, Will? I have not, but you know what they have in Plummer that most eight-man towns in this state do not have that makes it rise up the ladder a little bit? They have a Zips. And you need to find your way, if you've never been, you need to find your way to a Zips. And everybody says... Oh, I love In-N-Out. I love Smashburger. I love Whataburger. Whatever. It is all battling for second place behind Zips. Yeah, they they put in... Uh, I, I've heard of Zips. Uh, there's a couple of different uh, locations uh, up in that North Idaho area. Um, yeah, Moscow, Coeur d'Alene. Um, it's, it's really prominent in eastern Washington, and then there's a few in Idaho. There used to be one here... Um, I live, I live outside of Boise. There used to be one in Boise and there was a huge road construction pro, uh, uh, project that basically blocked the entrance to the restaurant. So all of a sudden nobody could get you, you had to have like, you had to go ninja just to get in there to get, you know, a, a bacon cheeseburger and some tater tots. So poor, poor restaurant died a, a slow and painful death withered on the vine. Small piece of me died that day too. <laughs> that's funny um so yes uh in lakeside they have this uh beautiful new turf facility it's called the core center and it's in Worley. and so it's it's turf field uh, i know the lakeside football team was able to play there at least once um this is something that uh was done in conjunction with the Coeur d'Alene tribe and um, awesome. the health department or the wellness health and wellness uh, center there. Um, and, and there was even a girls soccer match this year, Lake city and Moscow played a girls soccer match on this turf field in Worley. They met up and played a soccer match there. So I, I really hope we are able to go do some cool stuff. Uh, Very for cool. Lakeside. Very yeah, cool. and others up there. So anyways, so that's what's going on with me. I, we, I kind of sandwiched the trip to Coeur d'Alene around that Mullen playoff game. I went and did the the playoff game in Mullen, and we kind of scheduled it around my wife and what she needed for her job transfer. And anyway, so that so that's where I've been the last two weeks. And then last week we did our state preview show uh, live, and that was kind of the place there. Yes, we had a lot of good stuff to talk about yeah. there. So, anyways, that's where we've been the last two weeks. But we're here one final time to wrap up. What was a pretty interesting championship weekend? We had 
two champions get crowned, Oakley and Kendrick. I think we have to start with Kendrick because that was the game that had a lot of the drama where, you know, coming in, Kendrick is playing Dietrich and everybody, oh, Kendrick's a big juggernaut and, uh, you know, first team to 60 wins and, you know, Kendrick should roll. And I told everybody, I said, hey, look, two years ago, Dietrich played Kerry in the state championship game and Kerry was the big juggernaut and the heavy favorite and Dietrich was the underdog and they came through and won last year. Kendrick played Kerry in the championship and Kerry was the favorite. They were the perennial power and, and Kendrick was kind of an afterthought and Kendrick came through and won. I said, don't be surprised if Dietrich comes in less heralded and is still able to push Kendrick to the brink. And they certainly did that. This was a really fun game and a wild back and forth affair. Yeah, I was, uh, I was obviously, I was tracking the game, wasn't able to be there. Um, and, and I was talking earlier in the week with, uh, a number of people just kind of getting their feel for the game. And, and the one thing that came through was here are these teams, you know, Dietrich, there are weeks that I'm sorry, not Dietrich Kendrick. There are weeks they could have scored hundred points if they wanted to Dietrich, probably the same. They probably had a couple games where they could have pushed hundred points, but people were telling me, you know, Hey, these are, these, these guys are going to cancel each other out a little bit. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be some strength on some strength. So don't be surprised if it comes down to a defensive stop. And lo and behold, what do we have? We have a goal line interception with, with, with what, a minute to go? And, and that winds up potentially, you know, it, it thwarted a potential game-tying touchdown and conversion situation for Dietrich. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hurt myself patting myself on the back because it wasn't necessarily an original thought. But there were people out there talking about it all along. Oh, yeah, I mean, it it could turn into one of those 68-62 type, you know, just big play, big play, big play, big play, big play type games. But but the more I talked to people, the more I got the sense that they were expecting just a good football game, just a good football game. And a 42-34 eight-man football game would be akin to, say, uh, you know, 24-17 11-man game where – you're making some plays on offense. You're doing some good things, but you're also doing some really good things on defense. And both teams did. And both teams obviously did some some work on special teams as well. Dietrich's not even in position to get that last touchdown if they don't recover an onside kick. So, you know, a, a tremendous football game. Um, you know, Dietrich, obviously nothing to hang their heads about, but holy cow. I mean, here it is, Kendrick again. They've won two in a row. You know how, and we talked a lot last year, one senior, right? One senior on that team last year. You know how many they have this year? Four. So almost that whole team is back again next year. And so, you know, buckle up. We might be talking about the, the Tigers version 3.0 one year from today. Yeah, and what what it came down to was uh, Dietrich was down two scores late. Cody Power orchestrates this drive. He, yeah, this all happened in real time, but I believe – Case Robertson was the intended receiver. Anyways, the intended receiver fell down. The Kendrick defensive back fell down. And all of a sudden, Connor Perkins was there, and he just kind of caught it on this, like, fire drill play where the, you know, the top defender and the top receiver both fell down. Perkins makes the grab. It's a 41-yard touchdown. Dietrich's within four, but they've got to go for – or they're within eight, but they've got to go for the onside kick with, like, a minute four to play. And it goes right off the chest of Nate Twite, the freshman 
for Kendrick. And I think I've been calling him Jack Twite all, all week on our other podcasts. And uh, I apologize for that. I don't know why I had Jack stuck in my head. Maybe because I was thinking of Jack Zilflow. But anyways, Nate The Twite. one that I've heard is I've heard Twite and Tweet. I've heard both of those versions. So I'm glad you got it. Yes. So, yeah, it's Twite. It, w- it went off of his chest. The onside kick went off of his chest. Brody Torgerson recovered it for Dietrich. And it was like, boom. 20 yards to Robertson, 15 yards to Robertson, and Dietrich was like at the nine-yard line with like 40 seconds to play still. And now you're thinking, boy, if they score quickly enough, Kendrick might have a chance to like win this thing in regulation. Cody Power drops back to pass with like 30 seconds to go. He's hit as he throws it. It's a little bit behind the receiver, and it's intercepted at the goal line by the Tigers. Thus, they're able to run out the clock and win the game. Who comes up with the interception? If I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, it is Twite. He goes from goat to hero like that. And that's what makes eight-man football so great, right? Oh, it makes it a ton of fun. And and again, you you think about it as it's a lot of times it's the same, you know, you're talking about maybe 10 or 11 guys who are doing the bulk of everything, offense, defense, and some special teams. And, uh, you know, Kendrick was, Kendrick was, and this is, again, this is something that's funny. They were missing one of their best players. Dallas Morgan wasn't playing. And, and you know, you needed somebody to, to step up. Brad Boyer steps up, comes in, and <laughs> he makes some plays and does some good things. And you're like, oh, okay, senior getting his chance. Oh, no, he's just a sophomore. <laughs> I don't know where they're coming up with all these people. But, you know, I asked Zane Hobart just the other night. I'm like, okay, when does, when does the well run dry? And he just kind of sheepishly shrugged and said, we got a couple more good classes coming here. So, you know, if if the coaches, if they can stay healthy and the coaches can keep them focused, this could be quite the run. And it's funny that we're talking about Kendrick on the run, okay? Oakley's won three in a row now. And I don't know how much that resonates with some people that they've won three in a row, whereas everyone's looking at Kendrick and thinking, you know, we've got this burgeoning, you know, Boston Celtics of the 1950s, you know, UCLA winning 10 straight NCAA championships or something. It's it's kind of a funny dichotomy when, when you think about it like that, because, you know, Kendrick deserves all the attention they're getting. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic program. It's a fantastic team. And they just won a fantastic game against another fantastic team in Dietrich. But, man, I'll tell you, that, that Oakley thing, Three straight state championships. Three. Three in a row. What's going on in this state right now? A lot of dominant dynasty type, you know, Skyline and Sugar Salem and and now yep. Oakley, certainly in Kendrick. And- well, Sugar Salem. How about, <laughs> would Homedale be about the happiest school in the world if Sugar Salem decided it was going to take its football program to the NFL or something like that? Because <laughs> I bet you they're getting real tired of seeing the diggers seriously i just i feel so bad for homedale fans uh five times in a row they've lost to sugar four of those five have been in the championship the other one came in the semis not that that makes it any less now i say this good-naturedly i live in parma i don't feel that bad for homedale (laughs) conference rivals man Conference rivals runs, and I, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I know a lot of good people down there, but anyway, I sidetracked. It's my fault. No, that's fine. That's funny. Um, okay, back to this Kendrick Dietrich game, real quick, just to put a wrap on it. You're right. Dallas Morgan, great two way lineman, just a junior out with a knee injury. 
or leg injury of some kind. Boyer steps in and starts for him. And really, if you go back to the the Camas County game in the quarterfinals, Kendrick was without Dallas Morgan and Jack Silflo. They were missing two of their three right. offensive and defensive linemen, and they still shut down the Mushers' run game and controlled the line of scrimmage. And just it just tell, shows you that there really isn't a drop off between the first string unit to the second string unit. Some eight man teams don't even have a second string unit, and Kendrick no, and does, that, and that's just it. I mean, you you go anywhere else in 1A Division II football. And and I mean this as a compliment to Kendrick, not a slight to anybody else. And say, okay, you're going into the playoffs, and we're going to take two of your three offensive and defensive linemen. You know what we call those teams? As a rule of thumb, one and done. You're going to have a hard time replacing two offensive and defensive linemen playing state-caliber competition. And Kendrick just said, okay, well, we'll just go win state. We're cool. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so for Dietrich, you know, where do they go from here? They are going to lose seven seniors to graduation and some big ones, right? Cody Power, Case Robertson, Peyton Sneddon. Uh, I think uh, quietly, maybe their biggest loss is going to be Dason Pisano, the great yeah, two-way liner. Um, so they're going to lose some guys for sure, but it's not like the cupboard's completely bare. Connor Perkins will be back. He may, he may move to quarterback. He may play out at wide receiver. They've got some options at QB. They could go with him. They could go with Wyatt Sneddon, who is, uh, Peyton's younger brother. He was a freshman this year. Um, they still have Emmett Zimmers back to play center and, and anchor the defensive line. So, you know, it's not completely bare, but some of those younger guys, that are freshmen and sophomores are going to have to step up in their first introduction to varsity football. Brody Torgerson's another good two-way lineman coming back. So the line looks like it's going to be good again. It's can these skill guys come along for Dietrich next year? Yeah. And, and you just, you can't take a Cody power out of a lineup and a, and a Peyton Sneddon out of a lineup. You, you can't take guys like that out of a lineup and not feel the effect. But the, the saving grace right now, if you're a Dietrich fan and if you're a hardcore football guy for the Blue Devils, is that you can look at that line and say, you know what? There, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a grace period here, a little bit of an insulation in that, you know, whoever steps in at quarterback, be it Perkins, be it someone else, hopefully they won't be running for their lives. You know what they mean? The the game will be allowed to to progress for them at a natural level because they'll they'll be able to run the ball and they'll have time to throw and I think that'll really help Dietrich and you know that league in general is going to be, have a different look next year because uh, Castle Ford I believe they had 12 players on their roster if I'm not mistaken seven of them were seniors so there's going to be a big turnover in Castle Ford uh, Camas County should still be pretty solid the Smiths are both back they've still there's a good group of mushers players back. Um, Hanson has some good athletes back as well, but there's no reason to think that Dietrich, there may be a little bit of a learning curve. I don't know that they're going into the state championship game at 11 and 0 or anything, but there's no reason to think that this particular group of, of Dietrich kids can't go out and compete for a, a pretty good playoff spot again next year. Yeah. And, and Hagerman's got a kid that you highlighted in one of your three-star columns. Yeah, Guy uh, Kendall. Yeah. yeah. He'll be a good one to keep an eye on next year as well. One last note about Dietrich, and then we'll move on to the 1A D1 championship. We, we got kind of a cool email from 
the grandmother of Hudson Lucero before before the yeah. championship game and kind Mr. of sharing, yes, share, sharing some background on his story. And so we talked about it during the championship broadcast, but if, in case people didn't tune in, uh, I wanted to share the story here too because it's, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Hudson Lucero and he's played now for three teams in four years of his high school career and you're going, oh, what's going on there? He, he must have gotten recruited and all this. No. He played his first two years at Richfield, which, as we know, has been a program that's really been struggling with numbers the past couple of years. They've done this hybrid varsity JV schedule the past several seasons. So um, Hudson played his freshman and sophomore year at Richfield. Then his junior year, he shows up to an offseason meeting and there's like six kids. And he's doing the math like, well, we need eight. There's only six. Mm-hmm. Are we going to are we going to have football? What's going to go on there? So he decided to go down the road to play at Shoshone for his junior season. Uh, Shoshone had enough players and they were competing at, at, at a JV only level two years ago. They, they were a varsity member this year, but it was a JV only schedule in uh, two years ago in his junior season. So you don't have to sit out. Right. If you're playing just JV competition, you don't have to worry about eligibility and all that stuff. So he had a chance to play and played the full year for Shoshone. And then his senior year, uh, he decided, you know what, I, I want to try and play for Dietrich and, you know, put in the application, did everything the correct way, was approved to play. And that's how Hudson Lucero became a, a Dietrich Blue Devil. And he was a pretty key member of that team. Great defensive end, uh, was a good goal line back as well. And so uh, kind of an interesting story. You don't see that a lot where a kid's played for three schools in four years. And usually that has a negative connotation with it. Like, Oh boy, this kid's got baggage and can't stick at any schools, but this is the opposite. This is just a kid who wants to play football <laughs> and yeah, they've and got a chance. Rural Idaho obviously it can be tough. You mentioned Richfield. Uh, they've, they've given it a go for years and I applaud the heck and I, and I wish them success. Um, but there are times where they're showing up for games with, with eight kids to play eight man football. Um, and so some people may say, well, if Lucero stayed, then they'd have nine. Well, that's, an easy way to look at it, sure, um, but I also understand the, the the competitive nature of it. And and there's not, it's not like maybe a better way to put this is it's not like he transferred to Kendrick and lives with an aunt and uncle. And you know, there are stories of things like that that have happened, not just in football, not just in Idaho, all over the place. He, he stayed within within driving distance. And as long, like you said, as long as it's done correctly, as long as the proper protocols are followed, the proper paperwork is filed, and the proper approvals are granted, hey, go have fun, kid. Go play. You know, go play for a state championship. I mean, that's, that's something they're not going to be able to take away from him. Definitely. So uh, great career for him. And hopefully the future has big things in, in store for Hudson Lucero and everybody who is graduating this year. 1A D1 level Oakley rolls 58 to 20 over Grace. The Hornets three times in a row now have won the 1A D1 championship. So for, for the uh, championship games on IdahoSports.com, the games at Holt Arena, Will, we we added a new wrinkle to our, our broadcast coverage this year for the championships. We, we had a you side. You decided line. to show off. Just say it. You decided to show off a little. <laughs> 
Well, you know, we, uh, because, uh, you know, we don't have a monopoly on broadcasting, right? There are other entities out there that broadcast these playoff games as well. So, you know, we're thinking to ourselves, how are we going to enhance our product and make sure people want to check us out instead of the competitor? I think right off the bat, we have, I'm just going to brag here. We have the best announcers in the state of Idaho, which helps. And we know the players and the, the teams. $0.00 really dollars and zero cents probably makes some decisions too. <laughs> Definitely. And so, but, but we want to give people the best product. And so adding a sideline reporter this year actually was a really cool deal. We were able to interview all of the coaches pregame. We were able to interview our IdahoSports.com player of the game live on the field right there after it was all over. We had sideline reports throughout. Uh, Paul Kingsbury was our sideline reporter for the D2 championship. He was like in the stands talking to Kendrick parents and, you know, had a pretty cool story about a kid from Kendrick, Mason Kimberling. His nickname is Moose and none of the coaches knew why. So we asked like, Paul, can you go find out why they call him Moose? And turns out it was because when he was, you know, you think of people named Moose and you think of like big blockheads and, you know, bigger mm -hmm. guys and well it was the opposite it was when he was a uh, younger he was kind of tall and lanky and kind of looked like uh <laughs> kind of looked like a moose in that way so they called him moose and nice. it stuck but anyways we were dead on the field prior to the d1 championship and i was doing an interview with brandon jones the coach from oakley i said all right what are the keys to the game tonight and he said you know we need to be physical we need to dominate the line of scrimmage and he said we need to we need to be violent <laughs> which kind of took me back for a second and but Basically, he's not saying that we want to like be dirty. He's just saying we want them to know we're here to play. And Oakley's had that reputation the past three years where they are physical defense. They're going to tackle you, tackle you really, really hard. And that's exactly what they did in that championship game. So, yeah, no, it was, it was uh, the, that first half. So Oakley gets out to the lead and then Grace, to their credit, responds. And you're you're at a twenty what twenty four to twelve I believe at halftime was the score, and then it swings opening kickoff of the second half. You know Bryce Severe with the with the kickoff return, and then he gets that touchdown run later in the quarter, and all of a sudden it's gone from twenty four to twelve to thirty eight to twelve, and you know even an eight man level, you know twenty six points or ten points, and you've got one quarter to play. What are you going to choose? And to me, that's one of the great storylines of. Of the, of the championship week at the eight-man level is the two players who had arguably the biggest impacts in their team's wins. You have Sawyer Hewitt for Kendrick, and then you have Bryce Severe for Oakley. Those were kids that had to overcome some injuries and some adversity just to be in that game. And then to go out there and to make big plays to help their team win a state championship um, is, I mean, that's the kind of thing that small town legends are made of. And I mean, both of them are going to be back next year. You know, Sawyer Hewitt will be a junior. Bry Severe will be a senior. But, you know, Bry, they were they were not sure, you know, how much they were going to get from him this year, period. And he started working in a little bit. You know, he, he was trying. He really wanted to be out there, obviously. And, you know, he was trying to work in, and they were using him a little bit here. And they had packages for him there, and they had situations for him. Um, but then him to be able to just kind of jump in in a state championship game and score, you know, three touchdowns, but two critical touchdowns because at 24-12 in the second half, that's anybody's football game. And, you know, one bad bounce, one missed assignment, one whatever it is, completely changes the narrative. And so for Severe, who missed so much of the season, to come in and make those plays in that moment at that time, 
I mean, that just had to feel fantastic for that young man. Yeah, and so he had been, I would noticed this the past couple of weeks, they'd really been using him on defense, uh, mm-hmm. especially a defensive tackle lining up right over the center. Um, and I, I thought, okay, that's where he's most important to Oakley. And they're still kind of keeping him on a pitch count on offense. But we actually saw him kind of fully incorporated into the offense for that championship game. And, and Coach Jones has said this numerous times throughout the year. He said it before the game last week that uh, basically Bryce Avere is worth a couple of touchdowns each game. Now that could be on offense, as we saw three times, or on defense, stopping a couple of touchdowns here or there. And he's he, he's also said, you know, Bryce – Probably good for a couple of big impact plays per game as well on both sides. And we, oh, we saw that, sure. yeah, come through. So it was a nice way for Bryce Avere to cap off his junior season. You know, he won't get any postseason accolades or anything, but he won a championship. So that's that's all good for him. Um, Oakley's yeah, I'm sure team, he'll take a state championship as a consolation prize. <laughs> yes, for sure. So o- Oakley is a team that loses some guys to, to graduation, right? Ethan Torabau is gone. Uh, Pregitzer is gone. Porter Pickett will graduate. Houston, Houston Bingham, Bingham. That's, that's a young man that had himself one heck of a season on both sides of the football. Yeah, Keyshawn Crocker, who's kind of a big hitter defensively, will be gone. Um, they're going to lose Porter Wells on the line. So, I mean, they're losing some impact guys for sure. But, again, kind of like Dietrich, the cupboard isn't completely bare. Bryce Severe will be back. Isaac Cranny will return as well. They've got Cooper Beck to anchor both lines. They've got a really good DB that didn't get a ton of uh, accolades this year, Riley Mullard, who was a great corner for Oakley down the stretch. So they've got some guys to build around. Everybody wants to know, well, who's going to be the QB? There was only one other quarterback listed on the roster. That was freshman Jonathan Hines. But (laughs) this year's quarterback, Porter Pickett, was not listed as a quarterback the prior year. So it could be anybody really. Yeah. And, and if I'm not mistaken, Kyler Robinson played a little bit of quarterback last season and a little bit this year where he played elsewhere on the field, much like Porter Pickett did last year. But, you know, let's say Robinson winds up being the quarterback and you've got severe in the backfield and you've got cranny and Duncan on the outside. I mean, you just, you, you find somebody to give that quarterback some time to throw. They're going to be a dangerous team again next year. And it's, you know, it, it has a really interesting look and it's, you know, you're getting it the way too early. You know, we're, we're being like the people that are, you know, we're projecting who's going to win next year's World Series when it's not even Christmas the year before yet. <laughs> but you look at 1A Division One, and you, you ask yourself, okay, let's go up in the white pine. You know, Kamiai's got some players back. You know, Clearwater Valley has some players back. Prairie has some players back. But none of them leap off the page as, oh, that's the team. You know, and then you come down to District 3. Wilder should be better. They'll get their quarterback back who missed much of the season injured, and they were able to groom a couple other young athletes uh, when when he was out. So they should be better um, this upcoming year. You get down into District 4. Um, you know, Raft River, you know, wake me up when they're not competitive. You know what I mean? Carey takes a bit of a hit. Um, with some guys that they lose, but they have some players back. Moral of the story here is, is I have a hard time looking at Oakley and and saying, no, they can't win a fourth in a row. You know, they're definitely going to have to go through XYZ to get there. They're going to have to beat some good teams. They're going to have to play. I think Butte County will be pretty good again next year. 
I think that they have a chance to be a really, really solid football team. Uh, I don't know Grace as well as, as you do, so I'll defer to you on that one. So they're still going to have to win some games. There's still going to be some challenges. But am I going to be completely shocked if we're sitting here, again, one year from today, and, and we could basically you know roll this show again, talking about Kendrick won the Division Two and Oakley won the Division One state tournaments? I'm, I'm not going to say that's off the table. I think that that's very much on the table. Yeah, I, I completely agree. The The pieces are in place, certainly, for both of those teams to at least be competitive again yeah. next year. Uh, one last note on Oakley. I was down on their sideline a little bit during the championship game, and they had, you know, ball boys and water boys. And, you know, from, like, middle school to, like, fifth, sixth grade to, like, a third grader. And, you know, they all had their names on the back of their shirts. Oh, let me they, guess. You recognized all the names, didn't you? Yeah, so it was – it was – uh Beck and Cranny and Jones. <laughs> so, I mean, the it's just, it's the way it goes in a place like Oakley. There's just more athletes on the way, which was, I thought, a cool deal. Um, yeah, let's talk about Grace. They had a great season um, playing in, I believe it was like their second or third championship ever. I could be wrong on that. I know they've never won the championship before. So to get there and not come through, I know it's disappointing, but grace fans should be very proud of the way their team played all year long, a nine and two record. Um, we talked about a lot. They were kind of the unknown team throughout a lot of the season. You couldn't find film of them anywhere. You couldn't, you know, you didn't have any stats or info on, on what was going on with them. So, um, we did finally get some stats at the end of the year from grace. They're, athletic director was kind enough to send them to us and it kind of paints the picture we we were kind of missing a couple of puzzle pieces and now it's all put together and we see some pretty impressive performances yeah dallin draper uh, that young man very quietly had himself one hell of a season and um you know hopefully he gets the accolades that that he deserves based on you know he had 100 tackles this year which you know okay yeah they played 11 games but how many times did he play maybe a half of those games? Um, and then he had between rushing and receiving, you know, over a thousand yards and somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 plus touchdowns. And, and, and that was one, again, I, I like to take like these informal, you know, text coaches, Hey, what do you, what do you think? What do you see? And, and uh, I, I reached out to a, a couple of coaches about the one, a division one. And I said, do you see a key? And, 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 and both of them without hesitation came back and said, Dallin Draper, if grace is going to win, they need Dallin Draper to have a great football game. If Oakley wants to win, they've got to contain Dallin Draper. And I think for the most part, Oakley, you know, Oakley won that chess match. I don't think Draper played a poor game by any stretch of the imagination. So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here, but I think Oakley, Achieve, achieve the objective of not letting him get too loose and have quite as big a game as he as he had the week or the two weeks leading up to that game. But, um, I mean, what an impressive young football player that kid is. And, you know, good size, good speed, good athleticism. And, I mean, he had a really, really good year. And one of many, you know, Titan Anderson played well in the postseason. Uh, Michelson, William Michelson, the running back, he ran for almost 900 yards, averaged about – 10 yards of carry over the course of the season. I mean, those things don't happen if you're not pretty good. You know what I mean? And the proof is in the pudding. Only one team was better than them in, in the 1A Division One classification this year. 
Yep. And so, you know, you look at what they lose. They lose Dallin Draper, the great tight end, H-back, linebacker. He he basically set up residency in the Kamei backfield in that semifinal game. The Cubs had a real tough time blocking him. Uh, yep. So Dallin Draper is gone. Titan Anderson, the quarterback, is gone. Ty Gilbert, their top receiver in DB, is gone. Tegan Taggart, two-way starter on the line, is gone. Will Mickelson, the running back, is gone. Um, but they bring back some decent pieces. They bring back... Uh, the twin brothers, Joe and Kai Clegg, and they both play on the line, uh, offensive and defensive line. So that's a good starting point. Brennan Sorensen caught both touchdown passes from Titan Anderson in the championship game. He'll be back as a senior. They've got a really good sophomore running back named Trevor Matthews, and he kind of just got action here and there as as situations dictated. I think he could really explode next year, Trevor Matthews, as a junior really kind of taking over that backfield. And then Braden Kimball was a sophomore that played a lot on defense this year, and he's he's listed as a quarterback, so he could definitely be maybe the QB of the future, but I, I would expect big things from him next year as well. So Grace is, yes, they're losing some very, very good players at the top, but we heard it all year from Grace uh, fans and coaches, team effort, right? So they're, they're oh, going to yeah. be just fine again next year, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll I think they'll be I think they'll be very competitive. And I think that entire division has a chance uh, to be very competitive as as we we mentioned, you know, Butte County is a team that I would have up in the uh, you know, up in the mix of the teams that if I'm if I'm getting out in front of projecting who I think could win a state championship next year, I'd put Butte County in the conversation. Grace may be in that second tier right now, but before you get mad at me, that's probably where they were coming into this year too for me. And they proved me wrong. Chalice made some strides this year. You know, their challenge is always going to be numbers. Do they have enough numbers? Um, but they've they've got some athletes and they've got some size. And if they can keep building, you know, they're they're gonna be they're gonna be a tough out here sooner rather than later, I think. So that, you know, district district five, six there has a chance to be a pretty tough league. Yeah, I mean, there's certain teams that you can look at just because they they were younger this year, right? And and project that okay, they might be pretty decent, you know, next year again. You you've already hit on Grace and Oakley and Kendrick, and you know, I think Garden Valley is a team at the D2 level that could be pretty awesome again. Lighthouse Christian, I think, only had two seniors this past yep. year. Will so they're going to a be, lot of athleticism. Oh, I mean, very very fast, very athletic. Yeah, and and you know even Murtaugh, you know Murtaugh started a sophomore quarterback this year in Sawyer Young. They bring back, they lose some really good linemen up front, but they bring they bring back some good players as well. So um, I, I think in especially the D one ranks, District Four again is going to be just a juggernaut of a division. So we'll see. And Valley Valley was really young, you know, a lot of sophomores. Yeah, a very sophomore heavy team there for Valley as they made their return back and. You mentioned Garden Valley. Since we're talking valleys, uh, Tri Valley is a team that I think next year has a chance to move forward. Garden Valley really impressed me, and they do lose a few players when you're talking about Jaden Hunt and Aaron Noakes. They do lose some pieces, but they've got a lot of good young players coming back. Uh, they're going to be a handful. A team that uh, you know you get up into District One and Two as far as next year, it's kind of been the Mullen St. Regis show in recent years, and now that you know the Caleb Ball graduates the the fine quarterback uh, slash defensive back slash wide receiver a little bit. Now that he's gone and, and Stetson Spooner and Jesse Allen may have to retool things a little bit there, 
you know, is that, is that an opportunity for Clark Fork to finally overtake them? Um, is that an opportunity for Lakeside or a Wallace to maybe jump up and make a move? So I, I think there are a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities available. Then you get into district two. Uh, I mean, Deary, Timberline and Lewis County could all take about three steps forward and still be three steps behind Kendrick on paper right now. You know, a lot can happen between now and then, injury rise and whatnot. And we're not cheering for any injuries, but boy, in D2, Kendrick just looks, they look like they're going to be really tough to, to take down next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned Clark Fork. They do return uh, Ethan Howard and Chase San Roman to that backfield. So, um, they're, yeah, they're going to be right there. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how everything shakes out next year i can't i can't believe we're already talking about next year we haven't even the dust hasn't even settled yet on championship weekend but and that's uh, how it works right you just oh oh god i thought you were trying to get rid of me there (laughs) no sorry i I hit i hit the exit button uh sorry no i'm Uh, I'm really anxious to the all-state league or the all-state teams the all idaho teams coming up here and uh, a couple weeks, they usually come out, you know, early December, the Idaho Statesmen, uh, you know, they get votes from all the coaches and they compile those teams. And they're going to be some really interesting, some really interesting choices. I don't know that there's a runaway. Uh, I, I think in Division Two, I think your player of the year is either Ty Kep or Cody Power. And I think you can make cases for, for both of them. And I don't think either one would be a bad decision. In Division One. I don't know that there's a guy. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of guys that it could be. And there are a lot of guys, a lot of players that can make a good case. And I'm going to be really interested to see uh, what the coaches ultimately end up deciding. Yeah, for, for D2, I'm inclined to agree with you there. If it's Kep or Power, I kind of lean Power just because he's a senior and he did post more impressive statistics not because kept isn't as good but because kept literally went like an entire month without playing a full game uh, at one point and they had a lot of games get called early and so uh, body of work you know eileen power at the d1 level i think dallin draper is a great candidate that we talked about from grace he I should think, be if he's not he should be yeah I, and and i guess we'll find out if the lack of attention during the regular season impacts that at all i don't i i guess we'll we'll see if that pans out or not the other guy i think could be is colton okane from Kamii. he rushed for you know 12 1300 yards this year was an impact player on both sides of the ball he's, he's a sneaky guy i'd keep an eye on too but uh, the one from Kamii that i thought about a lot was uh, porter whipple the lineman um yeah. dean johnson won it a couple years ago and and deserved every minute of it but you know, Whipple finished the year with somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 sacks, which is crazy in in eight-man football where most teams run more than they pass. I mean, he was just straight-up beast. And then, um, you know, just he's one of those guys that I think could be in the, the conversation as well. And we can keep, you know, just Carter Woodland and notice, is he a kid? Because you talk about kids that statistically had a hell of a year. Carter Woodland is is one of them. Eli Hill had a tremendous year for notice. How does that all break down when coaches start voting, when they start submitting their votes? I think that there's, you know, anywhere from a half a dozen to eight kids that um, 
you could probably you could probably sway me. You know, if I'm sitting in a boardroom and you're coming in to pitch to me, I, I think there are probably about six, eight kids that <clears throat> you'd have a pretty good chance of selling me on in, in division one. And in terms of just video game numbers, Daryl Ellenwood Jones from Lapway. I mean, <laughs> crazy numbers. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So anyways, so yeah, that'll be a lot of fun to, to keep a, uh, an eye on as we get into December as well. But uh, that, that'll do it for season two of the Idaho eight man prep cast. This will be our last prep cast of the year. We'll go away into hibernation and we'll come back right around the you middle of August. You got a U-Haul to load up young man. You're not going into hibernation. Right. Well, the, for the eight man prep cast, we're going into uh, hibernation uh, for the off season. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, thanks for doing this every week. I know you're an incredibly busy guy. And so for you to carve out time in your schedule to do this every week, I know, I certainly appreciate it, but but all the, the fans that tune in as well um, really appreciate it. So I appreciate the inclusion. It's fun to fun to talk a little football. I enjoy it. Definitely. And, and again, uh, you can keep track of all of the eight man news and notes and things that are going on, even though the prep cast won't be here. Uh, the Idaho eight man Twitter account going to be busy as ever. Uh, so make sure you give that a follow on social media and Twitter. So. Thank you. Same to you at Brandon Bainey, right? Yeah. Yep. So, all right. Well, that'll do it. Thanks uh, to all the eight man fans that tuned in all season long. Thanks to all the fans that reached out and interacted. It was a lot of fun, uh, you know, trading barbs with the rap river fans. That's where I picked them to lose. And you know, it was a lot of fun. We do everything in fun. And so uh, this is one of our most popular podcasts and for good reason. The eight-man game is, is as strong as ever in the state of Idaho. So Yes. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Will. Same to you. And everybody uh, that's traveling for Thanksgiving this week, travel safe. Hopefully you get to where you're going and back home in one piece. And uh, we will see you next year. Thanks for tuning in one final time to the Idaho 8-Man Prepcast. For Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey on IdahoSports.com.